0: This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee on day 38 of the 60-day legislative session. The governor steps up his attack on CBS over their report on 60 Minutes, accusing him of setting up a pay-for-play system for vaccine distribution.
1: It's important to break down just how false, how thoroughly uh, dishonest it is, because uh, this is bad for our country to have big corporate media smearing for profit just because I'm in the other party than them and using their partisanship to craft narratives regardless of the facts.
0: Ron DeSantis spent almost 30 minutes trashing corporate media and left without taking any questions. He had to get back to the governor's mansion to present the very first Florida Medal of Freedom to legendary FSU football coach Bobby Bowden.
1: The inaugural recipient of the Florida Medal of Freedom is coach Bobby Bowden, and we're excited for that.
2: What took you so long?
0: (laughs) Bowden was forced out in 2009, and the Seminoles have yet to find a better coach or a better person. The Senate approves an insurance reform bill. Supporters claim it's the only way to slow the skyrocketing cost of property insurance. Opponents say it's a crisis created by the insurance industry. This bill will reduce rates and this bill will give homeowners
3: certainty that they're not going to be crushed when they open the envelope and get their insurance renewal this next year.
4: I get it. Floridians get it.
0: And what it is, is the shaft. Wednesday was budget day at the state capitol,
5: as the House and Senate took their respective spending plans to the floor. The House budget shows our members' commitment to our environment, our families, and our communities. This balanced budget reflects our belief that the state should not spend more than it takes in and make strategic investments in Florida's future.
6: We looked at everywhere we could of where we could do efficiencies, looked for redundancies, looked for every moment, every every penny we could squeeze out of, I was to say, squeeze a dime out of a penny, and everything that we could do to try to make sure that we had a responsible budget.
0: This is just one step in the budget process. Basically, think of it as a dance between two partners who both want to lead. The House and Senate paused for a moment of silence to honor Congressman Alcee Hastings, who passed away Tuesday.
7: Perhaps most importantly, he was an outspoken advocate of civil rights and blazed new trails for the many men and women of color who would step through those doors he threw open for them. In the black community, he was dubbed a folk
0: hero. We'll also have your calendar of political events and the story of a Florida man who went for a joyride in a stolen ambulance. But first, a word from the sponsor. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida Politics, and we are much obliged. This public health
8: crisis has shown our one-size-fits-all education system does not meet the needs of every child. Senate Bill 48 rethinks education and provides needed flexibility for students and families, giving students the tools and resources they need to unleash their potential. You can make a difference and improve our education system by visiting fledreform.com to tell your lawmaker to support SB 48. Paid for
0: by Americans Prosperity Florida. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Thursday, April 8th. This is National Empanada Day. Originally from Spain, empanadas now exist in over 30 countries in some shape or form. On this date in 1974, Discovery Island opened at Walt Disney World Florida. In 1986, Clint Eastwood was elected mayor of Carmel, California. You might say it made his day. And in 2019, a record 17-foot Burmese python pregnant with 73 eggs was captured in Florida's Big Cypress National Preserve. First, the COVID casualty update. Florida's Department of Health reporting 5,900 new cases of COVID Wednesday and 42 additional fatalities. Our death toll has reached 34,885. 3,914,000 Floridians have now been vaccinated against the virus. Another 332,000 have received their first shot and are waiting for the second dose. The governor goes on a half-hour rant over a story accusing him of playing favorites in the vaccination program, complete with PowerPoint slides on a big screen TV. Ron DeSantis is still fuming over Sunday's report on 60 Minutes, accusing him of pay to play in the way vaccines were distributed at wealthy communities and how public's ended up with a lion's share of the vaccine.
1: has vaccinated about 3.5 million of our seniors, about 75 percent of the senior population We've done it in ways that have been very innovative and and quite frankly, very successful. And I think because of that, uh, just knowing the landscape we live in now, uh, we've become the target of uh, malicious smears, which have fallen apart over the last few days, uh, but I think are even more false than even what most people have even believed already. When you're talking about this ridiculous smear narrative, it's important to break down just how false how thoroughly uh, dishonest it is, because uh, this is bad for our country, to have big corporate media smearing for profit just because I'm in the other party than them and using their partisanship to craft narratives regardless of the facts. So the big lie is that there was some type of conspiracy between Publix, which is our probably most respected company in the state, Uh, in me about some type of vaccine distribution. That's been debunked. That was wrong. And it's very telling. When I was asked at that press conference, I gave a very detailed answer. And that answer was edited out. Every single fact that I discussed, was edited out. The fact that Publix wasn't even the first pharmacy to get it, CVS and Walgreens had had it. Uh, the fact that we had had it obviously in hospitals and these other places. The fact that Publix was selected because they were the first pharmacy to raise their hand that was taken out. The fact that I when I went down and met with Mayor Kerner, Palm Beach was the one that calculated 90% of their seniors live within a mile and a half of a Publix, and that they cut out 90% because they knew that that would hurt hurt their narrative. Uh, So everything they left on the cutting room floor uh, was designed to uh, take away all the the evidence against their narrative. It was malicious what they did. So so the whole thing is, is a big lie. We know it was a big lie. CBS certainly knew it was a big lie, but that was their uh, goal, was just simply to try to smear Florida, smear me, smear whoever they could in the process to try to manufacture it. So the smear is a conspiracy charge, which is obviously BS, but the way they say is exclusive rights to distribute the vaccine in Palm Beach. So this was stated as a fact, That is absolutely false. The reporter knew it was false, but certainly they knew it was false by the time it went on air because I told them it was false and all they had to do was check the facts. So did Publix ever have an exclusive deal? Well, the fact is there was never a deal with the state of Florida and Publix for any of this. No contracts. The state of Florida never paid Publix one red cent for distributing it. There's also never exclusivity. This is something that I told them at, during that press conference, and they lied about it. They put that statement on the air knowing it was a lie. This is readily available information. You literally would make 10 minutes worth of phone calls, and you would have been able to see that this had been going on December, January, February through other companies, CVS, Walgreens, also through the state strike teams, uh, but they didn't want to tell you that. They wanted to lie, they wanted to say there was an exclusive arrangement in Palm Beach, and that is false. So when they say there was an exclusive deal for Publix in Palm Beach, 60 Minutes is lying to you. They knew they were lying and they kept on lying.
0: The governor is right when he says CBS screwed up the Publix allocation, but you know, he never said anything about those vaccination pods that ended up in wealthy neighborhoods after his office got involved. And reporters did not get the chance to ask because he left the room without taking any questions. Why the rush? Well, he had to get back to the mansion for a ceremony honoring former FSU football coach Bobby Bowden.
1: Recently, the Florida legislature created a new civilian award, the highest award that as governor I'm allowed to give called the Florida Medal of Freedom. And it's meant to recognize people who have uh, achieved great things and done a lot on behalf of our state. It could be in a government, civilian, any type of capacity that's really made a difference. and so. When we had the opportunity to do it, we, we wanted to make sure that we recognized somebody who was uh, deserving of the honor. So the inaugural recipient of the Florida Medal of Freedom is Coach Bobby Bowden, and we're excited for that.
2: What took you so long? <laughs> I've been around a long time. <laughs> no, it's good to be here. Now I got word. A month ago or two, a couple of weeks ago, be sure to put this date on your calendar. I said, why? Well, just put it on your calendar. So people kept reminding me of that, but nobody would tell me why. So I didn't know what to expect when I came out here today. But I do want to thank you for coming along, and I could not have received a greater honor than this. And then, of course, to look out turn and see my former coaches they back over there. You know, I—I I get the credit; the head coach gets the credit, but there's those coaches there that do all the coaching—and I had great coaches. So I want to appreciate I want to appreciate. Thank you, and for the and the, appreciate you giving me this honor. I will treasure it the rest of my life. Which I don't know how long it's going to be. <laughs> once once you get ninety, boy, you don't you know you don't worry, you don't think about the future too much. <laughs> you you worry
0: about that the same day. The Seminoles were a joke before Bowden arrived back in the 70s, and it only took a couple of years for him to put FSU football on the map. The dynasty lasted 34 years before he was forced to resign in 2009 because the Boosters wanted Jimbo Fisher to take over. I had the privilege of covering Bobby Bowden back in the 80s. The guy was an absolute joy to interview. If you asked a dumb question, he didn't talk down to you. He actually tried to figure out what you really meant. Things are getting hectic over in the legislature. The Senate has passed a big insurance bill that limits payouts for roof repairs and imposes new limits on legal fees. Senator Gary Farmer of Broward has been an outspoken opponent of SB 76 throughout the process, and he did not pull any punches during the finale. He says this bill is the result of a manufactured crisis. It's
4: always a new crisis. And, And we've addressed so many things in this legislature over the years. I mean, first it was sinkholes. Then it was public adjusters. Then it was AOB. We just did this AOB bill. Already we know that AOB lawsuits have been reduced by 48% and uh, uh, that's on citizens' claims and for the private market, lawsuits are down 37%. We just did that. We haven't let time pass to see what it's gonna impact the rates, We haven't seen any rate reduction yet. Lawsuits are down. It's harder to sue on an assignment of benefit, but the rates are going up. I get it. Floridians get it. And what it is, is the shaft. These insurance companies are cooking their books, plain and simple. And let's remember something, too, before I talk about that. Insurance is not a guarantee for the insurance industry. It's a gamble. We had a 10-year period where we didn't have a single major storm. Ten years. They were swimming in profits. Turn on the television. Watch a sporting event. Uh, The gecko, the lemur, Flo, Jake from State Farm, the guy with the voice of God. (laughs) Every other commercial is an insurance commercial. Commercial. They are swimming in money, but then they report losses. They come to our office of insurance regulation. They come to us and they say, we're losing money. The reality is they're cooking their books. This crisis is manufactured. It is flat out manufactured and we can't really get to any of this because they hide behind trade secrets and they
0: hide behind antitrust laws to hide so much of this money. But Senator Jim Boyd of Bradenton says the crisis is real and limiting lawsuits is the only way to avoid even higher insurance rates. He also believes Senator Farmer went a bit too far.
3: I would love to respond to Leader Farmer's comments. I believe they're gross mischaracterizations of the market and what's going on. We have probably one of the strongest insurance commissioner's offices in the, state, in the country and very well respected. They are bound, and the insurance companies are bound by regulations upon regulations as to what they report, how they report. So candidly, I'm no attorney, but some of those comments border on slanderous in my view. So we'll leave that for another day. Since 2013, $15 billion in cost uh, for damages were paid out. 8% of that $15 billion went to homeowners. 71% went to attorney's fees. We're not limiting access to attorneys or uh, homeowners that have problems or have claims that they can't handle themselves, we're actually giving them access. We're just saying if a homeowner makes $100, the attorney can't make $200. Seems fair to me. We're not cutting them out. Eighty-five thousand lawsuits were filed last year. Eighty-five thousand. Something is wrong with the system. This bill gives homeowners choices It gives them the ability to buy replacement cost if they want. It gives them the ability to to, uh, buy stated value coverage if they want to put a a specified amount on their roof. I feel for the homeowners that have roof problems. I do. But this is not a warranty program. This is an insurance policy. Members, the reality is we're going to go back home, and your constituents and your neighbors are going to be hit with rate increases. Premiums are going to continue to rise insurers in the state of Florida lost a billion seven last year the rates they charge are regulated and managed by the insurance commissioner's office they can't just charge rates they want nilly-willy and have you uh, have to swallow them so there are plenty of safeguards in place we are here to protect our constituents and what we're here to do is make sure what I'm hoping we're here to do is to make sure that in protecting them we're not allowing rates to go, continually higher and higher where they can't afford insurance on their homes anymore their most treasured assets. This bill will reduce rates and this bill will give homeowners certainty that they're not going to be crushed when they open the envelope and get their insurance renewal this next year.
0: Boyd's bill passed 27 to 13. The House has a different insurance bill of its own, so they'll have to work out the differences. Wednesday was B-Day in the legislature, the day of the budget. House Appropriations Committee Chairman Jay Trumbull of Panama City says their budget adds up to 97 billion buckaroos. That's a five percent increase over the current budget.
5: Nearly all of this increase is related to 4.4 billion of additional federal funds the state has received for the highest Medicaid caseload in Florida's history and to help public schools continue to stay open to serve Fortis children. The increase in state fund is a modest 387.5 million, which is less than 1%, and the increase in general revenue is less than one half of 1%. The House's proposal also leaves more than 5 billion in reserves to ensure Florida is prepared for the future. Targeted reductions were made in areas that, that had the greatest flexibility, particularly those that received substantial, direct federal funding. These reductions allowed us to fund the critical needs of our state. In this budget, we also lay out a plan to invest Florida's share of the Federal American Rescue Plan dollars in in the state's infrastructure. 3.5 billion to address deferred maintenance needs in the state and school facilities, two billion to offset revenue losses in the State Transportation Trust Fund, one billion to fund a new emergency preparedness and response fund, 630 million for environmental programs including beach renourishment, resiliency, and septic to sewer conversions. 350 million to increase the budget stabilization fund, 324 million for staffing and information technology for cybersecurity workforce and reemployment assistance, and 140 million in additional funds for the Sadowski Housing Trust Fund. The House budget shows our members' commitment to our environment, our families, and our communities. This balanced budget reflects our belief that the state should not spend more than it takes in and make strategic investments in Florida's future.
0: At the other end of the Capitol, Senate Appropriations Committee Chair Kelly Stargell of Lakeland presided over the introduction of their new spending plan.
6: The Senate's fiscal year 21-22 budget holds $95 billion, a 1.8% increase from the current year, and our reserves total $5 billion, which allows us to responsibly plan for Florida's future. Yesterday, the General Revenue Conference met and increased the anticipated revenues by $2 billion. That is really good news. The downside is that our Medicaid workload has also increased, and additional funding will be needed moving into conference to address this need. Clearly, we continue to see significant fluctuations in revenue and workload estimates, and we do not yet have a full view of the long-term adjustments to our economy. The latest federal stimulus funding includes up to $10 billion for the state of Florida and from from the American Rescue Plan Act. At this time, the Senate budget does not reflect this source of funds, as the specific detail of this relief funding were not available during our initial budget deliberations. This funding consists of non-recurring taxpayer dollars and should not be used for recurring functions of government. We will need to be judicious in determining the optimal use of these federal funds in order to best meet the needs of the citizens of the state of Florida.
0: One of the big concerns in the Senate budget is funding for health care. Senator Aaron Bean of Fernandina Beach chairs the subcommittee that assembles the health and human services budget, and he says they had to make some painful cuts. I wish I could say it had no
8: reductions, but it has reductions. But at the end of the day, I believe that we have a budget in health care that is going to provide, the healthcare, is provide for the health care needs of our state. It's a budget of $42.3 billion. Uh, it's an increase of $3.4 billion. It's 9% increase. That 9% really stems from the 900,000 individuals that are now part of our, of our health system in Medicaid. So over 900,000 people have joined our roles since the uh, pandemic uh, has, uh, has taken place the largest reductions members you'll know because you've heard from them. You already know this. It's your hospitals. Hospitals that serve our Medicaid patients, those new 900,000 people, are gonna receive a modest reduction of 7.5%. Here's some other uh, news that we wish I didn't have to tell you, but again, hard decisions. I told you, tough decisions. We eliminate some optional coverage for Medicaid, including vision, hearing, hearing, uh, and uh, optional 19- and 20-year-olds. Right now, we are making those decisions not to uh, continue in those
0: uh, programs. Bottom line here, the House and Senate budgets are about $2 billion apart, but remember, the dance is just getting started. Lawmakers in both chambers paused for a moment of silence to honor the passage of Palm Beach County Congressman L.C. Hastings on Wednesday. Representative
9: Bobby Debose led the tribute in the House. President Carter appointed him to the U.S. District Court for the Southern District in 1979. He was the first African-American federal judge in the state of Florida. He was elected to the House, U.S. House of Representatives in 1992. He became one of three black representatives from Florida. This was the first time Florida has sent any black representatives to Washington since Reconstruction. He represented the African-American and Caribbean-American communities in Broward and Palm Beach counties, speaking for people who needed to be heard, but rarely had a voice from one of their own. Representing for those communities became his life goal, and it's the work for which he'll be remembered for decades to come. He spoke from the heart and his gut. He didn't talk in carefully scripted talking points. If he had an opinion, you knew it. His way with words would outrage Republicans and enthrall reporters, but they were always dynamic, and he always championed his community back home. He was a complicated man, he was a dynamic, intelligent, fiery, thoughtful man. He was a role model and leader to young people in South Florida for decades, including myself and many others here on the floor today. He was my mentor, my friend, my fraternity brother, my modern day hero. He spoke truth to power always and was unapologetic about
0: it. The Senate also honored Hastings. Senator Perry Thurston of Fort Lauderdale described him as a hero and a mentor.
7: A native Floridian, Representative Hastings was our first black federal judge appointed by President Jimmy Carter in 1979. In fact, that's where I first met him and worked as an intern in 1984 while at the University of Miami Law School. He was a guiding force for my aspiration to serve. He was first elected to Congress in 1992, the first African-American elected to Congress since the post-Civil War period, and was in his 15th term as member as a member of that esteemed body. He was a proud graduate of Florida A&M School of Law. Perhaps most importantly, he was an outspoken advocate of civil rights and blazed new trails for the many men and women of color who would step through those doors he threw open for them. In the black community, he was dubbed a folk hero. His colleague, former Congresswoman Carrie Meek, once described him as a man who has come up against all the pressures, all the rage, all the racism, all the things that black men have come against. If, as Nelson Mandela once said, we should be judged not by our successes, but by how many times we fall down and get back up again, then Congressman Hastings, in that never-ending struggle for equality, got up again and again and again. On behalf of a grateful people, we thank him and his family for that dedication that perseverance, and that determination to rise again. Rest in power, my brother.
0: The scramble has already begun to see who will try to fill Hastings' shoes. Senator Thurston is considering a run for the office. The calendar of events and your daily dose of Florida Man are up next on the Sunrise Podcast. In Florida, if you fall
1: behind on court debt payments, the state takes away your driver's license. But if you can't drive, you can't work. So how can you make enough money to pay the debt? This policy makes no sense. Let's end debt-based license suspensions and help Florida get back to work.
0: Welcome back to the Sunrise Calendar. The state Supreme Court convenes at 9 to hear arguments in two cases, including an appeal by Barry Notzel, who was sentenced to death for the murder of a fellow inmate at Mayo Correctional Institution. The Florida House meets at 9. The Florida Board of Massage Therapy meets by conference call at 9. At 10, an advisory committee will interview five candidates over Zoom for the job of executive director of the State Commission on Ethics. The Florida Supreme Court releases opinions at 11. The Florida Board of Nursing meets by conference call at 1. The Florida Senate meets at 2.30. And finally today, a Florida man is accused of stealing an ambulance and getting stuck in the mud. A vehicle belonging to Hernando County Fire and Emergency Services disappeared from the ambulance bay at Oak Hill Hospital in Brooksville while the crew was dropping off a patient. Deputies say 29-year-old Trey Cornwell took off in the ambulance and abandoned it about 12 miles away. They found it stuck in the mud and sand near a body of water in Spring Hill. Florida man is charged with grand theft auto. That's it for Sunrise. This is Rick Flag in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics.